Hello and welcome to Not If I Reboot You First, a podcast where we take our favorite properties and reboot them before Hollywood gets the chance to. It's a little bit like brainstorming fanfiction. Uh, Lindsay, I have a question. Okay. We've, we've been uh, introducing ourselves the same for over a year. Do you think the viewers at home are aware of our pronouns by now? They should be, but you never know. This could be someone's first ever podcast with us. That's a so. very good point. We'll keep yeah. going then. Lindsay, yeah. who are you? Um, I'm Lindsay, and I use she, her pronouns. And I'm Tanner, and I use they, them pronouns. Uh, today, today, Lindsay's in the driver's seat. Lindsay, what did you got for us? Yay! So, uh, today, a little over 100 years ago, the U.S. kind of went nuts for a bit and decided to ban alcohol. Oh, that. I was about to say that the U.S. has never really stopped being nuts, but in this particular yeah. instance, it only lasted a bit. Yeah, it kind of got back onto its uh, puritanical bullshit for about ten years. Yeah. And it's kind of stayed on there. Yes. Um, now, I will say that um, there is absolutely no shame in not drinking. In fact, it is poison. Uh, it's just... I. I personally knowingly know what I am putting into my body. And uh, the Prohibition movement did have some good points, like uh, the alcohol industry in the United States was extremely unregulated. Yeah. So, yeah. um, That was some particularly strong whiskey and all that. And yeah, it led to some real bad domestic situations. In fact, a lot of really bad domestic situations, which were compounded by uh, living in crushing poverty and extremely hard lives. Yeah, the um, the prohibition movement and suffrage, women's suffrage, were pretty closely tied together. Yeah, uh, this is a lot of women who are like, we need... We need to voice our concerns. We need a way to actually like change things for the better for all of us because we're tired of being beaten by our husbands. Yeah. And not owning stuff. Um, but at the same time, prohibition kind of created a whole bunch of crime. Yeah. Because when you, when you ban something that people want to have, people are still going to find a way to get it. Also, something that's fairly easy to make once you know how to do it. Yes. Not make well, necessarily. But we've been making alcoholic drinks since, like, the Bronze Age. Ever since Grandpa Thwack ate a rotting berry and went blind, <laughs> and we were like, oh, damn, this, this sounds great. <laughs> like, I mean, there were wine cults in the, in the day, and I think during New Year's I dedicated myself to Dionysus. You absolutely and... did. Wow, you went through, like... <laughs> I don't know if there are five stages of inebriation, but you went through them all in about 20 minutes. Great. So, Actually, I think anyway. you skipped a few. You went from slightly buzzed to apostle of a dead deity to asleep. <laughs> and then the legendary sixth, sixth stage, we're at Denny's now. <laughs> Gotta say, that was the best New Year so far. Because you slept through half of it. That's true. <laughs> Honestly, New Year's is one of the longest holidays out there. Yeah. You fared better like, than the other guy there who went through an entire thing of whiskey while playing Mario Kart. Oh, no! <laughs> and shortly after losing like his third race, he succumbed to the booze emotions <laughs> and just kind of <laughs> melted onto the ground. <laughs> So, anyway, we bring this all up because we're going to be adapting Lackadaisy. Oh, shit! <laughs> yeah, you guessed right. I was joking, though. <laughs> well, that's what I had intended. Booze and cats, booze and cats, booze and cats, booze and cats. <laughs> so, I, so, I have not yeah. ever read Lackadaisy except for the occasional uh, strip that just came across my timeline on social media. But I've never, like, actually invested in it. I do not know any characters. Um, I invested for a time, but you know what? Stuff happened, and I got distracted with other stuff. But for the most part, really solid work. Yeah, well, and also, the creator, for one, I know that they do all of that stuff just themselves. Yeah. And also, they, like, they have the main story that's been updating consistently since the beginning. And then I know they also have a whole bunch of side like, gag strips and other just art that they do all over, like... Yeah. Uh, there's human versions of all the characters, um, 
really funny shit that she throws up onto Tumblr, Tracy J. Butler. And she she even has a Wikipedia page. So Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, she's doing pretty well. So anyway, I wanted to turn this into a cartoon, not an abomination like cats. <laughs> Why not? Because that was... So anyway, I'm going to keep Black and Daisy uh, just traditionally animated TV show and either put it onto Adult Swim or FX. Probably FX. Adult Swim yeah. is a very specific brand of adult cartoons in which, oh, the reason we're, we're adult is because we say cuss words a lot and make gross yeah. out humor. That's the yeah. only way a cartoon can be for adults. Whereas uh, FX had Archer. And I think this has well, a bit more to of have Archer. Archer. Oh, what? Yeah, Archer is still on. Okay. Anyway, they've got Archer. So we can also throw on Lackadaisy because it's also got that whole... Like, it's in that sweet spot between being a comedy and being a serious crime drama. You know, I've never watched Archer, but I don't think it has very much in the way of serious moments. Yeah, that's true. Like, honestly, I would say this would be a, maybe a Netflix thing. Maybe. Because I'm thinking they got a good thing out of Klaus, which was traditionally animated. And yeah. it was it was 2D animation taking a lot of cues from 3D, and I feel like this is what Lackadaisy would do. Yeah. I also had, like, the fleeting idea that HBO might pick this up, because they've also done shows like uh, Boardwalk Empire. Yeah. Actually, yeah, it's definitely more in the style of an HBO show than anything. Yeah. And I don't think they would get up in arms necessarily if we approached them with, like, a cartoon. But hey, this cartoon has the power to also be prestige television. Yeah. Like, it looks gorgeous. It's got a great story behind it. And a good chunk of the... Well, there's, like, three chap, three like full chapters, if you will. Like, I would say not quite seasons. Because um, it is still ongoing, right? Yeah, it's still ongoing. Uh, the big mystery of who killed the main character's husband is still unanswered. All right. And it's been fairly episodic for now, except for this whole who killed Atlas May. Um, anyway, basic plot, 1926 in St. Louis, Missouri, which is on the Mississippi River. It's important, big transit area. Also, there's a whole bunch of caves. And the lackadaisy is the speakeasy that's underneath a, a cafe. And it used to be, like, the toast of the town. This is, like, the speakeasy you want to get into. But then the owner and proprietor, Atlas May, dies. Good job. I should say murder. He got murdered. He got, he got got. Um, and his wife, uh, Mitzi, takes over. But because people are like, oh, I think Mitzi killed Atlas to get the to get lackadaisy and all of his money because he was also like one of the richest guys in St. Louis. Um, yeah, this has been going down because nobody wants to be uh, associated with a possible black widow. Hmm. So she's trying to keep the operation afloat. She's down to really a skeleton crew and um, some like some hardcore patrons and a Bunch of the people who used to work for her went over to the rival gang, the Marigold Gang. Including one particularly sociopathic young man named Mordecai Heller. I feel like who, Mordecai is the person I see most often. Yeah, I especially after Peaky Blinders came out, I'm I'm now like he is followed constantly with Nick Cave songs. <laughs> Red Right Hand would be his main theme. I'm just taking a quick look at people on the TV Trove's page. I've seen a lot of Ivy Pepper. Yeah. That's hey, you know, that's also the, the name of Poison Ivy in the Gotham TV show. Oh wow. <laughs> just throwing that out there because they did weird things about her. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, it's it's Rocky and Freckle that I've seen the most of in just like yeah. fan art and whatnot. Yeah, because Rocky really is the main character. Uh he is a he's crazy. Really? Rocky looks like if you gave uh, Danny from <laughs> Cats Don't Dance a gun. <laughs> or at the very least, <laughs> a switchblade. A switchblade and a head injury. Oh no. Oh yeah, he got a big big time head injury in one of the arcs. Whoops. 
And, you know, it doesn't help that he's got the whole psycho smile Cheshire cat thing going on. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so he's got a few screws loose, um, bit of a pyromaniac, and um, has a thing for Mitzi, and isn't exactly happy that she's got an on-again, off-again relationship with one of her jazz musicians, uh, Dorian Zabowski. Zib. Oh, okay. He is trying to be the voice of reason, but look, when you're surrounded by crazy and criminals, it's reason isn't exactly going to be everybody's strongest suit. Yeah. So, Freckle is the ginger tabby. His real name is uh, Calvin McMurray. He's Rocky's younger uh, cousin. Okay. Yeah, he's like cute and adorable and sensitive and all that. He also likes to set stuff on fire. (laughs) (laughs) Pyromania seems to be a thing. Also, they gave him a Tommy gun one time, and oh boy, he that boy kind of um, he's a bit too good. <laughs> yeah, so, other prominent characters is, of course, Mitzi. She used to be a showgirl, played the ukulele. I think she was in some sort of show like the Zigfield Follies. They were they were kind of a burlesque, yeah, vaudeville thing back in the day. I'm vaguely aware of 20s culture on account of I have started reading the Diviner series, just the yeah. first book so far, Yeah, which we might get to at some point here as well. Have you read yeah. Diviners yet? Oh, I'm going to get around to You'll it. You'll fucking love it. I know. I will. It is It um, is one of those books where it's like, you read the synopsis like, hey, did Lindsay write this in the future for herself <laughs> and send it through time? <laughs> There's a couple of books I have that are like that. So, yeah, again, she may or may not be a Black Widow. She's joked a couple times about hiring a guy to off her husband or off a, an unwanted boyfriend. I mean, whether she did or didn't, we stan. Yeah. <laughs> She's that kind of character. <laughs> yes. Uh, then there's Victor Vasco. He's uh, originally from uh, Slovakia. At the time, it was part of Austria-Hungary. And uh, his home city of Beratslava was known as Pressburg. And at the time of this comic, it would it would be part of Czechoslovakia. Eastern European and Central Europe is super complicated. Poland was about, like, way more to the east than it is now. You will be confused if you're not familiar with interwar European politics, if you saw a map. Okay, I understand they're not being a Belarus because of the Soviet Union, but, like, why is Poland so to the east? And it's like... Dumb reasons. Central European history, uh, to borrow a term from Homestuck, is a tangled web of irons in the fire. Yes. <laughs> um, we probably would need to make an entire separate podcast to get into it. Suffice to say that people were aware of there being a situation enough that I'm sure if someone was like, hey, Victor, where'd you come from? And you'd just be like, Eastern Europe. And they'd be like, oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just like how it is today. His his portrait caption on the TV shows page just says glare beam. <laughs> yeah, um, he's a big ginger cat with one eye. God, he's giving strong cliff vibes. I don't know if I've talked about my first cat on this podcast, but I don't even think you've talked about your first cat to me personally. <laughs> I've talked about Cliff before. He had the cat fight club. He was like oh. an ex-Halifax Harbor cat. Oh, that's right. And I think he has come up on this podcast because that seems like something we would... That seems like a tangent we'd get to. <laughs> yes. So anyway, Victor, big guy, fought in the First World War, gives strong... There's just some cats that are not cuddly at all. No. Like <laughs> McCavity, the mystery cat. McCavity is a sad cat. He's a crime cat. <laughs> McCavity committed tax fraud. Oh, yeah, yeah. Every human crime. Yeah, and Idris Elba was just loving that role. Say what you want about <laughs> cats, but everyone involved enjoyed it. I still believe that he and Taylor Swift had a relationship at some point. Oh, yeah. Anyway, Victor is very quiet, uh, doesn't say a whole lot unless he's calling you a, a cow, which is a major insult in Slovakia, apparently. Has a long history of labor, family upheaval, political turmoil, war, incarceration, criminal exploits, and all manner of bodily wear and tear behind him. Yeah, he sounds like, he sounds like my cat Cliff. Just, goddamn. 
hard life. Okay, Cat Puff was, you know, had a loving family who natured that he was fed, but he got into a fucking fight with a fucking raccoon and won. Kind of missed the cliff. Um, yeah. What an absolute bastard. I loved him. <laughs> yes, he was. Uh, there's also Wick. He is a about as blue blood and as an American can get. Um, has a lot of businesses and is completely naive about the whole criminal underworld. And he's trying to date Mitzi. Oh, honey, he looks like he's going to get his heart broken. Yeah. He looks like he, he walks up to you with his hat in hand like, Well, I may not know much about any big city rum running, but I gotta say that, darling, you have the nicest eyes that I've ever seen this side of the Mississippi. Yeah. He's cruising for a bruising. He's gonna die tragically. Yeah. Season four finale. Everyone cries. Twitter explodes. <laughs> no, Wick! Uh, Ivy Pepper, she's also one of the main characters. So she is very much a flapper of the time. She was Atlas's uh, goddaughter. Okay. And she hangs around the uh, Lackadaisy crew and ends up joining them. She's a jazz baby princess, all sweetness and sun rays. Calculated sweetness and devious little fib-telling sun rays. <laughs> She's also another one of those actually surprisingly good with a rifle. I feel like that descri- not just describes a lot of people in this comic, but also a lot of people just in the 20s. Yeah. You know, you're just coming out of, like, World War One and the Wild West. Like, yeah, I think a lot of people ended up acquiring some pretty good marksmanship skills. Yeah. It was kind of needed. Yeah. Let's see. Zib, he plays jazz. He's got a pass with uh, Mitzi. Nina McMurray. Oh, Calvin's mom. Oh, no. Yeah, she is quite the uh, Irish, staunch Irish Catholic matron. Sit up straight to the (laughs) devil will steal your backbone and lash you for all eternity. Yes. (laughs) She's that aunt. (laughs) I've never really experienced that because Protestant, but I think the um, Scottish allergy to fun is sort of a, a, an equivalent. And the Anglo-German must not feel, conceal, don't feel. <laughs> yeah. And then over on the Marigold side, you, of course, got Mordecai. As I said, like he looks like a Nick Cave song and doesn't mind killing all that often. Jack of all trades, except when it pertains to hearts. Mordecai's talents include breaking and entering, slinking, squinting, (laughs) statistical math, cooking books, and cooking for one, and cleaning up all manner of unholy messes. Yeah, don't waste this guy's time. In one of the early comics, he and some of his fellow conspirators kill a guy and drop his body off at some pig farmers. And we all know that you love dropping dead bodies off of pig farmers, Lindsay. Well, we all know that's one of the most efficient ways to get rid of a body. Yeah. We learned that from Snatch, right? Yeah. <laughs> Why do they call him Boris the Bullet Dodger? Because he dodges bullets. <laughs> yeah, um, we're that group of people who saw Snatch one time and we have never not been able to quote that movie. I mean, most of it has faded from my mind. I just remember that one because it it is kind of easy to complete that quote. Yes. <laughs> you want a dag? A what? Dags. Oh, you mean dogs. <laughs> <laughs> Only we had Ryan here. Um, yeah. So, yeah, uh, two of Mordecai's associates over at the Marigold Gang are Nicodem and Seraphine Savoy. They are Cajun of some persuasion. Uh, Nicodem is a former prize fighter, boxer, and Seraphine is into voodoo. Hmm. So, yeah, uh, kind of creepy. Voodoo is also super complicated. Um, I listened to a podcast that delved into it for a bit, and they're, uh, depending on where you go, you either practice voodoo or you are voodoo. And there may or may not be a difference between hoodoo and voodoo. Uh, it really does depend on 
even the person itself. Yeah. I think, because I did a bit of research into Voodoo too at some point, I think Hoodoo is more tied to a broader range of various um, First Nations beliefs from that area, whereas Voodoo itself is a strict and specific religion. And just because the words sound similar, they do get kind of conflated with each other. Yeah. But like even even that, like it is a bit of a, a mashup of Christian and Christian adjacent ideas being brought over during colonialism and trying to rectify that in a way that also kept their original African beliefs alive. And it did just kind of turn into its own thing. It's a syncretic belief system. Yes. But like over time, it's essentially... While it shares elements with Christianity and shares elements with traditional African religions, it is very much its own thing. Yeah. It's kind of a similar thing that happened with Santeria, I think, but I have not done yeah. much of a deep dive into there, so I don't quote me on that. But Yeah, um, we'll probably not do a, a deep dive, but well, I, I hope that Tracy dives a bit further into uh, Seraphine's uh, religious practices and all that. Well, actually, because I'm on the TV shows page, according to yeah. Tracy, Seraphine isn't an acolyte. She's mostly just a poser and is ah. essentially figures people in St. Louis wouldn't know the difference anyhow. Yeah. And as part of uh, Seraphine and Nicodine's backstory, they were orphaned fairly young and put into a Catholic orphanage. And uh, the nuns weren't nice. <sighs> and at one point tried to separate them. So they ran into the bayou, nearly died. Um, and I think a lot of Seraphine turning to voodoo was a form of rebellion against the establishment. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, so there's that. And then there's their boss. Uh, where is that fat fuck? Because <laughs> he literally is a big cat. There we go. Uh, Ace of Sweet. Uh, yeah. Yeah. He looks like he's going to run for mayor. <laughs> yeah, he does. <laughs> he's the night manager at the Maribel Hotel, off the records. Uh, he oversees the operation of the hotel's notorious Marigold Room, which is not so much a room as it is a speakeasy, a dance hall, and gambling house, and generalized den of inequity. Uh, he, it's also one of the city's biggest hotspots, and Slackadaisy's uh, has fallen on the hard times. And beneath his bluster and bombast, Asa may be remorseful about the fate of his old friend Atlas, but with looming troubles on his own, he's got little time to dwell on it and little patience left for the intrusiveness of Mitzi's uh, enterprising gaffes. Oh, okay. Yeah. So there's that, but I wouldn't be surprised if there's some darker levels to him because we're dealing with the world of you know, crime. Exactly. Crime, gangsters, the 20s. Yeah. See? And one of the most recent additions has been Dominic Drago, who represents the law. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah. And his name's Dominic Drago. Yeah. He's from Austin, Texas. Uh, One-time detective turned federal prohibition agent. So, yeah. He's working with motherfucking J. Edgar Hoover, if he exists in this world. Dom here has furtively stowed away in a downtown police station with an easy, even-tempered way about him. He keeps the rowdier officers in check with a sort of casual authority and routinely works late at night. He has an artful way of uh, tallying up, up a character, too. Uh, exactly what uh, grander machinations he might be concocting isn't clear, but the mildly glib half-smile he wears also would seem to suggest he knows a thing or two about the state of affairs in underground St. Louis. I'm guessing he's going to be one of those cops who, like, forms, like, the really elaborate case. Probably. Yeah. Like, the guy who almost brought the, uh, the killers of, Pig of Biggie and Tupac to justice. Uh, he was a guy who, like, had these very elaborate ways of investigating. He nearly got Suge Knight for uh, Biggie's death on, like, tax evasion charges. And he was... Basically, the LAPD brought in a what's called a case killer to, like, took him off his case, oh. put someone else in. Because his other case that he had been working on was a major, like, coke ring 
that was running out of a big time grocery store in LA and it fell apart because of poorly filed paperwork. Ah, you hate to see it. Yeah, as it turns out, when you have millions of dollars and all the lawyers in the world, you can pick apart a case. Yeah. Yeah. And it sounds like, according to you tropes, Drago, despite the name, might be the only, the most moral person in the entire city. <laughs> yeah, might be. The one good cop in all of 1920s America. Yeah. So, are there, we've been going for half an hour, are there any other major characters you need to talk about, or have we kind of covered the important bits of the cast? Um, let's see, there's the Hourglass. They're, um, they're a family. Uh, Elsa, Bobby, and Abelard. Elsa and Bobby are married, and Abelard is Elsa's brother, and they run a, a funerary home and are morticians. Well, Abelard is also a, uh, Fire and brimstone preacher. Oh, great. They also make booze and high bodies. There you go. Well, you know, triple threat. Yeah. And you know what? Pretty convenient to have some morticians on, on your books. Because, like, you're probably going to end up with a corpse at some point. Might as well take them just directly to somewhere where they might have a crematorium. Yeah. <laughs> just as good as having pig farmers. Okay, so give me an outline of like how the first season would play out. Would it be pretty close to the comic? Uh, pretty close for the most part. Um, as I said, it still seems like there's some major mysteries going on, and nothing too too catastrophic has happened. Ha nothing really catastrophic. Fuck. <laughs> Let's see. The first season is just establishing, or at least the first half of the season is establishing what the status quo is, which is, like, we had a status quo, but now we don't anymore. Do we see Atlas at all, or does it, like, start with the discovery of his body or something like that? Maybe the funeral. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's when everybody is like, ooh, I heard that Mitzi might have murdered him. What's gonna happen now? And then, like... Yeah. The end of the pilot would probably be, like, Mitzi basically taking the throne, symbolically. Yeah. And like, well, I'm the head of Lackadaisy now. Looks like I've got to start really doing some crime. And all those connections. We're probably going to have to do a whole bunch of no celebrities for harm, because it doesn't seem like Tracy is actually bringing in any historical figures yet. Has it necessarily had a reason to? Yeah. Because she's got her own cast already? Yeah. And as I said, booze is actually surprisingly easy to make. Um, it was also kind of why a whole bunch of people died and went blind. But it also didn't help that the government and various companies were actually putting in poisons into industrial strength alcohol to deter people from using it. Yeah, that was a real thing. Why? Not to sound like a capitalist, but why would you poison the people who are purchasing your product? Well, it's because... People thought that you could use wood alcohol and turn it into drinkable alcohol. Oh, so they weren't, like, it wasn't a scheme. They were just idiots. Yeah. Oh, okay. People were desperate for booze. It's like how some people will turn to um, Listerine to get drunk. Oh, yeah. yeah. Or hand sanitizer. Oh, God. That sounds worse. It should be said under the Volstead Act that sacramental wine, for religious purposes, that includes wine used in Jewish ceremonies, and industrial alcohol and medical alcohol were still allowed to be produced. It just wasn't booze for fun. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So a couple of the big beer companies did survive, though, because they went over to near beer. Ah. Yay. And I think Anheuser-Busch was producing a shit ton of sodas. Okay. So uh, instead of destroying your gut and brains, they were destroying your teeth. Great. Yeah. Um, anyway, so the first season is, we got the overarching mystery of who killed Atlas May. Because here's the thing about Atlas May, uh, he probably had a lot more enemies than you'd think. Like, he seems like a nice guy, like, giving everybody a leg up and all that. And He's also the head shit. of, like, a crime group, so yeah. he probably has yeah. exactly as many enemies as I'd expect. Yeah, yeah. But also, like, he's one of those guys who comes off as affably evil. Like, yeah, I'm involved in this crime, but I'm not going to be a dick about it. But then 
as the characters go into their past and as we learn more about them, we learn that um, they owed him a lot. Hmm. Like, it wasn't so much they owed him money, it was more like they owed him opportunities. Oh, okay. He's the one, like, I, I found you at your lowest and I made you into something. So, there might be quite a bit of resentment going on and, hell, I would not be surprised if Mitzi did it. Maybe she does a whole <laughs> cell block tango. But also, because we still don't actually know, so this is a question that probably wouldn't be revealed. It may never be revealed. Or it's safe for the end. It could even be a situation where at the end they're like, who, who killed Atlas May? And someone's like, does it even matter after everything else that happened? It's just yeah. one, one, more, one more crime on top of this entire empire. Yeah, and like... Who knows which way this series is going to go. This could be a Breaking Bad situation where everybody looks great now. But by season five, it's like, oh, oh, we should have seen this coming. It's, it's interesting that the main character also seems to be the comic relief. Yeah. I think he's going to go nuts. Rocky probably speaks with a transatlantic accent. Yeah, not on purpose. Also, he's running from shit in his past. Yeah, I mean, I, that seems to be the name of the game for everybody. Yep, uh, because Mordecai was found by Atlas when he was on the run from people in New York. Okay. Yeah, pretty much everybody owes him something, I think, except for Ivy. But even then, I'm probably sure that he paid a lot for her education. Okay. She seems to be the kid who went to good schools and hung around the upper classes of St. Louis. Mm-hmm. Like, more established people. Because you can't exactly be seen with those, like, nouveau riche. Okay. You know, that sort of classes and bullshit. And we're probably going to see Freckle eventually doing a whole Descent into Darkness thing. There's no way that kid can be sweet forever. Yeah. This whole story, be it the webcomic or a cartoon, is going to end terribly. Yeah. People will die. Also, they made it fairly clear that uh, injuries are permanent. Because mm. uh, Rocky got hit by first a hearse. Go figure. <laughs> <laughs> then got his skull caved in a bit by some, by like a rake from a tractor. Ooh. I feel like in the cartoon, we should start with it being more cartoon injuries and play it yeah. for laughs. And then as it go on, we realize, oh, oh no. Rocky, Rocky's yeah. been through some shit, and... And as I said, they've, like, murdered a dude and chucked his body to pigs, so... Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God, this is gonna be one of those cartoons where the parents are like, Oh, it's fine, it's just kitties. <laughs> Children love kitties. <laughs> and then... Daka, 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 daka! <laughs> Half an hour later, Mother, I crave violence! <laughs> <laughs> Look, how are we supposed to traumatize children? Yeah. I still feel sorry for the poor kids who got, like, water shipped down. Oh, boy. Thrust upon them at eight. I, yeah. I managed to dodge that, but I heard about people. Yeah, that does not seem great. But we also got Redwall. Redwall I wasn't as violent, though. I Unless... distinctly remember Tim Curry voicing a rat who nearly choked a child rat to death. Yeah, but there was no blood, so it's safe for children. <laughs> <laughs> also, it's been a hot minute since I watched Redwall, and I haven't gotten around to reading any of the books yet, so... Yeah, and I think that Brian Jock did come from, like, the an earlier generation of, ah, kids can take it. I left through World War II mm -hmm. as a child. So, do you have anyone specific in mind for casting any of these characters? Oh, that's... Because it would just be voice acting. Yeah, it would just be voice acting. Because you're a coward acting. who doesn't want to do digital fur technology. You saw the abomination I saw, right? <laughs> yes, it was glorious. <laughs> also, that's got to be hella, hella expensive. Yeah, probably, because it wasn't even motion capture as far as I can tell. <laughs> Yeah. A good chunk of it. But, like, animation, it should be noted, isn't an easy, like, way to produce a show. Nor is it the cheapest way. 
But you can also do a lot with it. What if we did just track down a good chunk of the animators from Cats Don't Dance? Ooh, yeah. Because that movie was fucking fluid. Yeah. And everyone there is dancing. And it, well, I don't know if it's the 20s necessarily, but it's definitely... It was more like 30s, 40s, because the villain was a Shirley Temple XP. Right, yes. But still, so it's just got a little bit there of the style. Yeah. And, like, honestly, Rocky does look like a very deranged version of the main cat. Yeah. <laughs> What's well, like I said, Rocky is Danny with a gun. Yeah. <laughs> um, as for voice acting, like, I'm not that familiar with the voice acting world. One of the thing is, the, with voice acting, especially these days, a lot of people go with celebrity voice actors, and I think that has kind of caused a turn where they're there's a good chunk of celebrities that are better at voice acting. Yeah. Like, I was talking with a friend the other day how Darren Chris actually does a lot of professional voice work. Oh. Even though, if he's mostly known for Glee. And I think maybe the fact that he's a recording artist might be a factor in that as well. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's just some people who can do both. Off the top of my head, Ace of Sweet, I think, should be voiced by um, Clancy Brown. Yes, that's I I could I was hearing his yeah. voice, I just couldn't figure out who it was in my head. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's just like he looks like Clancy Brown. Um yeah. though Tracy has also said that uh she kind of based him off of John Goodman. Yeah, I can see that too, but I think voice wise yeah. he would definitely be Clancy. Yeah. Hmm. See, if if we did grab Darren Chris, I could easily see him as either Rocky or Freckle. Just because okay. he is a little bit soft-spoken when you listen to him, but he yeah. did also play the hotshot Autobot sideswipe in a Transformers <laughs> cartoon. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, Mordecai, I want someone who can do, like, that Midwestern newscaster accent because Tracy has said that Mordecai deliberately got rid of any accent. So in an American context, that is, like, your... NBC newscaster accent. Yeah. Um, but also make it sound fucking sinister. I was thinking Noah Mazur. Okay. But I'm just thinking because Noah Mazur is the voice actor who voiced Daniel Jacoby in Wolf 359. Okay. Oh, yeah. And he is the <laughs> basically the demolitions expert. Yeah. So he can definitely be chill and menacing. Yeah. Also has an inexplicable, nearly pathological fear of ducks. <laughs> <laughs> the character, not the actor. <laughs> I just love that. Um, oh my god. There's a whole bunch of like podcasts that are over that had some really great voice actors in them. Yeah. That we could draw from. Um, oh shoot, who voice... Uh, um, hang on, uh, I have to look up <laughs> voice actors from podcasts now. Audio drama people. Brigham Snow, uh, who voiced Caleb in... The Bright Sessions. He could voice Freckle. And then Darren yeah. Chris can voice Rocky. Yes. Um, I do not know who specifically would voice Seraphine and Nico, but I would prefer black actors from the Louisiana area. Yeah. Because it even says on TV Tropes that even though they're some of the lightest furred cats, the when Tracy drew their human versions, they were more brown and yeah. black. Yeah, and... Also, people who can pull off that Creole accent, which is a very difficult accent to pull off if you're not someone from there. Yeah. I'm not really sure about the other people I'm trying to think. Mm. Yeah, because, like, with Mitzi, she, she, she's done a lot to erase her own backstory and try, like, she's deliberately lied about her age. And she was in vaudeville, so I would think that her accent would be very, like... She'd also have a transatlantic, basically. Yeah, she would have a transatlantic. She would sound like Catherine Hepburn, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think we need to go for a specific person, just because if you know how to do it, you know how to do it. Yeah. Yeah, like, that was a made-up accent for Hollywood. Exactly. To sound more classy. As for someone like Ivy, I think she should have a bit more of a southern drawl to her. Like, almost like, um, fuck, who was... Roxy in Chicago. Um, uh, Renee Zellweger. Yeah. I don't think we could get Renee Zellweger. Yeah. 
We couldn't do that, but like do that sort of bit of a southern affectation. Actually, I'm just kind of thinking in the same area. What is this actress's name? Megan Hilty. Okay. She was the uh, other lead in the show Smash alongside Catherine McPhee. Okay. And she, her character in the show didn't end up playing. Okay, so maybe not Megan Hilty for Ivy, but. So in the show, Megan Hilty's character ended up playing Marilyn Monroe. Yeah. Who was the actress of the time. Yes. So maybe Megan Hilty can play Mitzi. Okay, yeah. I dig it. Um, as for Victor, you know what? To a North American near, all Slavic accents sound the same. So I was thinking Zach Valenti. Oh, yeah, that would work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Since we're pulling from Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Wolf 359. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm sure we could get something from Brooklyn Nine-Nine, too. Yes. I mean, if we couldn't get Darren Chris, I feel like Andy Samberg would also be a good Rocky. Yeah. And then Dominic Drago, someone who could do a good Texan accent. Daniel Craig. <laughs> so, um, in an interview with Ryan Johnson... Uh, the person brought up a tweet they saw of a fan suggesting that if they make more Benoit Blanc mysteries, that he has a different accent in every film. <laughs> and Rian said that he'd saw that tweet, and he has considered it. Because, <laughs> <laughs> like, my other thought when he brought up Daniel Craig was uh, Matthew McConaughey. Oh, yeah, that would also be a good one. Yeah, and he did play a detective before. Yeah. In a really dark series that was the first season of, of True Detective. Yes. Um, oh, speaking of True Detective, though, another good person could be Mahershala Ali. Oh, yeah. Because this is also freaking animation. We don't actually, like, have to have all white actors. Well, even if it wasn't, I would say let's spice it up a bit. Yeah. Also, they're cats. Yeah. They're all cats. <laughs> it's like, I don't think racism would work the same way. Cat genetics is fucking weird. If they even had any racism. Yeah. I, the only bigotry from the cats movie was when they slut-shamed Grizabella. <laughs> also, Victoria was played by a black actress, but you wouldn't fucking know. Unless you looked it up. Oh, Yeah. Oh, man. Just a disaster, that movie. Um, can, like, okay, okay. Can, can Skimbleshanks show up? Just Skimbleshanks. The railway cat. The cat of the railway train. Why not? He would actually fit in. He would fucking fit in. For the fuck is Skimble? <laughs> God damn it. One time the fam was going on a vacation down to Disneyland, and this is when we had Marble and Shadow. Marble was Shadow's thinner sister. Okay. <laughs> oh, Shadow got real fat. We were trying to find the cats. It was easy to find Shadow. Marble, on the other hand, decided to hide under Ryan's bed. And at one time, I used to be able to fit under Ryan's bed. And I wasn't able to fit underneath the bed at that time. So I grabbed the vacuum cleaner and just went like, underneath the, underneath the bed. And she came running out. Um... Oh, I've changed my mind. Darren Chris can play Sedgwick. Okay. And then uh, Aunt McMurray can be Victoria Smurfett from Once Upon a Time. She played Cruella DeVille. Yes. Also, there's a character called Lacey Hart. She's uh, Sedgwick's very beleaguered assistant. Oh, boy. <laughs> I, know who, I know exactly who that is. I just forgot her name because I, I haven't remembered a single human name this entire episode. Chelsea Peretti. Yes. That's who would be playing Lacey. Yes. Actually, Chelsea's a, <laughs> Chelsea Peretti plays characters that are a little bit off in their own world. Actually, that would probably be Melissa Fumero who played Amy. She would be a good Lacey. Yeah. Very beleaguered, tries her best. She is the definition of a Girl Friday. Yes. And then I was thinking of the... Arbogast, and I would like British actors to play them. Because they're a weird religious family, right? Yeah, weird religious family. Uh, all Brits. Well, I imagine they're all Brits, but, like, it seems like Elsa and Albalard are American, but, like, 
I don't know. There's something about Abelard that gives me like the grim Dickensian vibes. Mm-hmm. Hugh Grant. <laughs> Wait, no. Is that the right one? No, I'm th- I need the other I need the other love interest from J- Bridget Jones. Colin Firth. <laughs> Mr. Darcy. Yes. Plays the scary reverend. <laughs> Bit of a departure, but sure. <laughs> and then Elsa, hmm. Kira Knightley. Yeah. Hang on, let me just pull everyone out of love actually for this family. <laughs> With Kira Knightley, and then the third one can be Thomas Sangster. Yes. He's probably the same age as Kira Knightley. I don't think Kira Knightley ages. Well, neither does Thomas Sangster. Okay. They're only five years apart. Oh, wow. Because also, a lot of people don't realize that Kira Knightley was like 18 when she was in love, actually. Yeah. And getting married to Chuetta Jelfer. Yeah, that, oh. Oh. Hang on, I've I figured I've cracked the other code. Um, so Lacey Hart, we'll take from Melissa Fumero in there. It could be Mila Kunis. Yes, because she can play beleaguered pretty well. Yes, I mean she had to put up with. Oh, she was Jackie in that seventy show. Yes. she had to put up with her boyfriend's bullshit. The reason the reason my my synapses made that connection is because did you know that she was playing Jackie at age fourteen? I know, she lied about her age. Because the producers asked how old she would be, and she said, oh, I will be, I'll turn 18. Because <laughs> they never <laughs> specified what year. <laughs> and then they found out, like, I think when they had to give her her first paycheck or something, like, oh, fuck, but she's too good. <laughs> and then I went back, and I was watching clips of that 70s show, like, from the first season, and I'm like, you're a child. <laughs> How did they not pick this up? Yeah. And like, I I would almost say like 70s, like hair and clothing styles just ages everybody. But like, even then she was a baby. Mm-hmm. Ah, there. Sorry, I had a bit of a crick in the neck. That's fine. I sit at my desk too often in weird positions because I am bisexual and can't do anything right. <laughs> you have to get the <laughs> <laughs> you have to get the chair with the arms that fold down so it's a cross-legged in it. Yeah. It's almost like, I'm almost like how, like, cats will will sit weird just because. See? That's, that's the connection. We've come full circle. <laughs> yes. I also think that's a good note to start wrapping things up on. Yeah. So, uh, let's go... There, there's something there's something in here. There's a joke about speakeasies and cool cats and jazz. Jazz cats. Jazz cats. Hi, I'm Janine. And I'm Locke. And we have a question for you. What is your favorite Pokemon? Over on our new podcast, My Favorite Pokemon, we sit down with you just to ask... Well, who your favorite Pokemon is. And we also talk about some other things, such as... Well, why you like your Pokemon, along with what kind of nicknames that you would like to give them, and also, what would you do with your Pokemon if they were actually here with us in real life? You can subscribe to us on Twitter at... My favorite Pokemon, and that is Pokemon spelled P-K-M-N. So subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. I hope you all enjoyed that friendship promo. We've literally just been sitting here snapping our fingers the entire time. Jazz. Ants. Ants. <laughs> <laughs> you know I couldn't snap my fingers until 12th grade. <laughs> I think we taught you. I don't think you taught me, but someone in drama class taught me. And then I couldn't yeah. stop. It turned into a nervous tick. Oh, no. Um, anyways, Lindsay, where can you be found on the internet? Um, I can be found on Twitter at lindsaym476, that's Lindsay spelled with an A, and you can get to all my other social media bullshits from there. Tanner, where can people find you? 
You can find me on Twitter at SparkyUpstart and on Instagram at SparkyYoungUpstart, and you can also find this very podcast on Twitter at N-I-I-R-Y-F-Pod. Those are the letters for not if I reboot you first, and they're pronounced, Are you questioning my pickle car? <laughs> and you can find this very podcast on Instagram at not if I reboot you first. The hashtag that we follow is N-I-I-R-Y-F, and that is pronounced Snugglepup. it means a man fond of petting and petting parties see that sounds like it's more for the cats tom hooper's cats (laughs) i mean (laughs) tom hooper thought that catnip was basically orgasm dust did you tom hooper didn't know what catnip was I know, people had to explain to him what catnip was taylor swift's dad told him in the middle of filming (laughs) <laughs> oh my god has he never owned a cat clearly not because you think that andrew lloyd Webber, who is a noted cat owner would have told him what the fuck catnip was or did he just assume well catnip never had any bearing on the plot and the stage play so maybe andrew lloyd Webber wasn't as familiar with catnip either you can also email us at notifireboutyoufirst at gmail.com where you can send us your comments, critiques, criticisms, and your favorite Tom Hooper's 2019 Cats movie, Cats character. You could even ask to be a guest, but if you do, make sure you send us a hint instead of the entire thing because we like to be surprised. And if you'd like to support us in another way, we have a Patreon at patreon.com slash notifireboutyoufirst where you can get a bevy of bonuses by supporting us financially, including a weekly shout-out to all of our patrons, including Charlie and Cassidy. Thanks, Charlie and Cassidy. You're some cool cats. You can also rate and review us on your podcatcher of choice, and if you can't find us on your podcatcher of choice, then contact me. I'll try and get us in there. Last but not least, our cover art, as always, is by Alex, a.k.a. Pachu, and her work can be found on ptchew.com, and our theme music is done by our friend Sean Clay, and you can contact us to find out how to contact him if you'd like music of his own for your own. <sighs> Lindsay. Tanner. Do you know what next week is? Oh. Next week is episode 69. A dirty, dirty episode. It's gonna get so wet. (laughs) (laughs) And since me and Lindsay are kind of incompetent at all things (laughs) relationship-wise, we've recruited someone to help us. And so, in lieu of a hint, we just want to say thank you for being a friend. And we will be dealing with this sexy, sexy episode next week. But not if we reboot you first. Yeah, I gotta start preparing season season three of once or season four of Once Upon a Time for September. Well, you've got a few months, and also maybe it won't be season four. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Make it Mm-hmm. I don't know what facial expression that was. <laughs> <laughs> Me neither.